Say dear. Girl. Jesus. Jesus. Help. Help. Me. Me. Love. Else. You. You. Amen. Amen. Say amen. Amen. You do your prayer. Thank you, God, for our food. Please bless and us with amen. <laughs> Ask the Holy Spirit what he's Please asking you to pray for, amen. not just food. Juby, why are you sticking your God face in here? God, giving us food, a lot of food. Thank you, thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you for yummy food. Please bless and us with amen. Cade, what? Ask the Holy Spirit what He wants you to pray about, and say your prayer. Mm-hmm. 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 What did you pray for? Oh, okay. Okay. Okay, Micah. Please help those teenagers recognize it's not okay to kiss a lot in public, especially if they're not married, and because it's gross. And help them not be rude. And they only like each other. And help Sinky's tooth. And help Juby's teeth. And help Mommy's labor when it happens. And help Grandma's side. And help Auntie Kathy with whatever she's happening with. Hey, Juby, Juby, Amen. Oh, and please help those teenagers <coughs> not be rude ever again. Not even if I have to. And I only love each other. Okay, bye. All right, I need all the kids sitting in the in the seats because this is chaos. How am I Sit in your chaos? seat. It's just the combination of all four of you running around. He put a. I thought he put a plastic cup in there. What did I do? You're not doing anything wrong in particular. I just want all the children sitting. Come. It's art time. Art time, Luke. Come sit. Okay, I'm gonna help you. There you go. It's art time, Luke. Okay, art time. Can you please Look at your book for you. Help. Go to your father for a spanking. Because you're not obeying me, and it's making me mad. You mean go to the table? You know what I mean. Every morning. Every morning is the same. Hopi table. I'm the first one that. Buckle up. Okay. That's not good for Luke to have the whole thing. Just a few, okay? Just a few. Micah? What? I'm going to pray. Can you not sing over it? Yeah. Thank you. God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for Friday. It's the 21st of May. I can't believe it's May. Thank you that Jubilee's eight months old. Thank you that Daddy wants to go adventuring today. Thank you that you help us with every day. Thank you that you're calling us back. 
and bringing us back to you. How about you guys pray more if you're going to keep talking? Because this is prayer time. It's not just run your mouth time. I'm not talking a lot. You guys pray. No, I'm serious. You guys pray because you're talking. Thank you, God, for food, peace, peace, and music. Thank you, God, for... Thank you, God, for giving us a lot of books. Amen. That was good, Hope. Who else wants to keep talking? You pray. Okay. Thank you for today. Please bless us to summon. Please help us to school good and go on an adventure good. And go to the lunch thing today. That. And not be sure my yellow jacket. I mean, a carpenter bee. If they can see. And amen. Uh, and please. So God, I ask that you would help us all have discipline, all obey you, all pay attention to what you're saying. God, I ask that you would open open our spiritual eyes and ears. Teach my children respect. Teach us respect, God. Help us to be like you. And I cover us in the blood of Jesus Christ and ask for your protection. We cancel any assignment the enemy has on us. Any interest he has in us is cut off in the name of Jesus Christ. Daddy, can you pray? Because I keep losing my train of thought. God, we adore your creation and thank you for bringing us to a beautiful place. Give us clear vision of your voice and of the life to come mm. that we are striving for and hoping for. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you for bringing the Kyles home. Thank you. Safely. Why are you stealing his milk? Oh, I thought that's what... No, I gave it to him. Do you mean to be running the water this yes, long? I'm trying to flush the gray tank a little. Oh, you are. It's open on the outside. Okay. God, we ask for your help as victory's growing. That he's covered by your fingerprints. That he's healthy. God, I ask for energy that this pregnancy be healthy. That you help us in his labor and delivery. That you provision everything for the entire family for his uh, delivery. 
Help us to rest in the cradle of your love. Um, command Jubilee's baby teeth to fall out in the name of Jesus Christ. We ask for just total healing and wellness for the rest of our family. Um, we command the nasal passages to clear, the cough to go away. We ask for help for Kimberly's neighbor. Oh, whatever happened there, God, that you, your hand would be on it. Wait, what happened? Um, we ask for help with the Kalantras for Danielle's sister-in-law. We command her sister-in-law, her, her sister-in-law's body to be healed and for COVID to go away in the name of Jesus Christ. God, we put our marriages in the hand of your protection. We ask for help. Um, God, you know who I'm praying for, but we do pray that the barrier would be brought down in the name of Jesus Christ. And yeah, we do bless those teenagers um, with a revelation of who you are and how much they are loved by you. Um, Help us have a loving reaction to them and not just be another adult that they feel like they're against in the world uh, or who is against them in the world god give us your loving kindness towards humanity give us your patience towards humanity um god i just do trust that you're going to bring who you want to victory's birth and that all things are in your hand we put our finances in your hand god that Water would not be, money would not be like water, but you would help us save and store and also to give away generously and to know where to um, give away. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. We bless all the listeners of this with the same blessings, and we ask for salvation to come to any family or friends that don't know you in the name of Jesus Christ. Okay, thank you. This is season two, episode 78. Thank you. We're going to worship God with um, the reading of his word. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would open our minds to what you have to teach us. Translate this for us. Speak to our spirits. Psalm 63, Luke, Mark 2, Hosea 2, Proverbs 21. Yeah, we're done with Luke, so that took a long time. And that was awesome. Psalm 63. Let's see if it comes up. Oh, come on. Let's work, please. 63. I don't know. It's working. Um, uh-huh. Cool. Psalms sixty three. Chapter Psalms sixty three.
Yes, dear. You did them last night. Okay. Oh, God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. This is when David was wandering the deserts of Judah. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. With my singing lips, my mouth will praise you. Go back and buckle. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. They who seek my life will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God's name will praise him, while the mouths of liars will be silenced. Thank you, Jesus. Wait till daddy comes back and he'll help you. Um, Mark? Can you have Chapter two. Mama, my kid's not selling. Mama, I will have Luke, can you give Hope her book? No. Give Hopey her book. No. Uh-oh. You going to have a spanking? Or you want to give Hopey her book? Then give Hopey her book. Good job. Hope, say thank you. Thank you. All right. This book of Mark doesn't name its author. But tradition going back to the church, Father Papias claims that John Mark wrote this gospel on the basis of the reminiscences of the Apostle Peter. Papias claims to have received this tradition from someone called the Elder. Um, John Mark appears repeatedly in the New Testament. He's associated with Paul, Barnabas, and Peter. Some church fathers, like Irenaeus, think that Mark wrote after Peter's death, which would place this gospel at about 67 AD, so almost 70 years after Jesus died. Clement of Alexandria, however, thinks it was written while Peter was in Rome, which could place it any time at about 45 after Jesus' death, 45 years after. Mark was associated with Peter later in Peter's life, but that does not exclude the possibility of an earlier association between the two. So 
so the archaeological scholars think that this book was written somewhere between 50 and 70 BC. Mark wrote this book for the Gentile Christians, and especially those facing increasingly hard conditions in Rome. Mark's gospel was written to a Gentile audience, and he actually explained Jewish customs and translated Aramaic for his readers. Well, that's cool. Once, only once, he quoted directly from Old Testament law. There was a big fire in Rome in 64 AD. This is after Jesus' death. That's right, probably set by Nero, but it was blamed on the Christians. Is that what you knew, Micah? Yeah. How'd you know that? Because the child just created the world. Cool. And it, it resulted in widespread persecution and martyrdom. What's a martyr? Yeah. Or someone Some interpreters assume there was a Roman audience for Mark, this book, and um, that it was written during Nero's persecutions. They also think that Mark was written to encourage Christians to persevere in that persecution. These scholars think Mark's general purpose was to preserve Peter's account of the life and teachings of of Jesus. So as we read, we're going to try to imagine what Mark saw and what Mark said Peter saw. Not only from what Jesus said, but also what he did and how his actions impacted others. What? Okay, well, that's the book you have, so you get to work with that. So, um, Mark really makes a lot of effort to show people that Jesus is the Son of Man, but also the Son of God at the same time. So, here's some facts that you might not know. You could establish a synagogue in any town where there were at least 10 married Jewish men. That's all you needed, and then you could have a synagogue. In addition to being labeled traitors, tax collectors were notorious for their dishonesty. And they could not serve as a witness or a judge, and they were expelled from the synagogue. Jesus spoke Aramaic, but undoubtedly also understood Greek and read from the scriptures in classical Hebrew. There were 613 individual statutes in the law and attempted to, um, and they were uh, differentiated between heavy and light commands by Jewish rabbis. During the Passover, what happened? I think she fell on the buckle. During the Passover and the week-long feast of unleavened bread, the population of Jerusalem increased from 50,000 to several hundred thousand. Wow, that's a lot. Do you guys understand? So many people made a pilgrimage 
to Jerusalem. Death during crucifixion was actually due to heart failure. When you're crucified, your heart fails. Um, I don't know all of the medical reasons, but your heart has a heart attack. It might have to do with lack of oxygen, because that's part of it. So there are five themes in Mark that I'm going to tell you about. The first is Jesus is the Son of Man. Wait, no. The first is Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the Son of Man. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is a model of suffering. And Jesus is the Savior of all who believe. Okay. So there's eight main sections in Mark. And the first two go through the beginning of Jesus' ministry and his ministry in Galilee, the ministry in other areas, his final ministry in Galilee, his ministry in Judea and Perea, and the passion of Jesus, the arrest, trial, and death of Jesus, and the resurrection of Jesus. Those are, so that's your overview. Okay, Hopi, go back. Go back, Hope. You're not listening to me. Buckle. All right, I'm going to tell you something interesting, too, before I start. Ancient voices. Besides, nothing is sacred. This is from Juvenal, the satirist on the lusts of wealthy Hellenistic men. Um, quote, besides, nothing is sacred or safe from his lust, not the household matron, nor the virgin daughter, nor the smooth-cheeked boy engaged to one's daughter, not even the innocent son. If none of these are available, he will take advantage of his friend's grandmother. So this um, person who wrote this play is saying that Latin men, Hellenistic men, Greek men, were very sinful. The cynics were members of a loosely organized school of philosophy founded in the late 5th century of Greece. They rejected conventional value values that emphasized social constructs like wealth and status. Instead, they wanted to live a virtuous life as defined by living according to nature. Cynics believe society placed value on worthless things. They were like the hippies of America in the 1960s. Their value system was based, based upon the equation that living a life void of any artificial value will lead to happiness. Alexander the Great reportedly visited Diogenes the Cynic 
and asked him to request anything at all. Diogenes, who was sunbathing at the time of the visit, simply asked Alexander to move to stop blocking the sun. He said, Could you scoot over? You're blocking the sun. He was sunbathing. And when Alexander the Great came, he said, You're blocking my sun. Move over. That's what he asked. Yeah. Socrates was reported to have told the cynic philosopher Antithenes, I can see your pride through the holes in your cloak. Antithenes always wore ragged clothing. Satire flourished in Roman culture. Satirists, like their predecessors, the cynics, were social critics. One significant difference is the satire was more an art form than a philosophy. All right, Hope, go lay in your bed. I'm done. Unbuckle her. No, she was also throwing a marker back. I don't like what happened between them both. Then you go to your bed too. I'm just want to go to my bed. Satirists wrote plays, novels, and poems that ridiculed the vice and moral decay found in contemporary Roman society. Horace, who died in 8 BC, that's before Christ, and Juvenal, who was alive in the, oh, he died in the early 2nd century after Jesus' death, can probably be regarded as the greatest Roman satirist. Both the cynics and the satirists sought to ridicule what they saw as foolish trappings of society. Juvenal attacked the debauchery of the Hellenistic upper classes, that means they were, like, steeped in sin. And in Satire 6, he listed in great detail the supposed vices of Roman wives. However, the extant writings of both cynics and satirists are characterized by f- perverse kinds of self-indulgence, ferocious anger, crassness, and obscenity. It's become fashionable in some scholarly circles to argue Jesus himself was a Jewish follower of a cynical philosophy. But in reality, other than the simplicity of his life, Jesus had nothing in common with Greek cynics. Roman authorities clashed with cynics because the latter tended to be anarchic. Jesus, who taught, for instance, people should pay their taxes, could not be classified as an anarchist. So that was, this is an interesting commentary all right so we're going to hear in mark chapter 2 how jesus heals a paralytic um the calling of levi uh we're going to find out about fasting and see how jesus is the lord of the sabbath mm-hmm and this is definitely not, this is definitely broken. Like, you might as well just take these things out and just use them. Okay, Jesus heals a paralytic. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, so he had been there before, right? Mm-hmm. The people heard that he had come home, 
so many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached a word to them, the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening. That's right. In the roof above Jesus and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic sons, your sins are forgiven. Um, verse 13, Mark 145. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. What is Jesus' spirit? The Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? But that you... Your sins are forgiven. It's like three fewer words. It's not about the length of the words. I know that, but that's what I think it's about. Wait, if I know it's not, then why am I thinking that it's... Okay, that's confusing. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. Cade, come back. The calling of Levi. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. Help Lukey, please. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, you can throw this pen away now that you've destroyed it. Whatever you're ta- pulling apart here, throw it away. Sorry. I don't appreciate that. It's broken already. Well, no, whatever, throw it out. I don't want you to take it apart. Cade, <sighs> help Luke get whatever he dropped, please. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him, thank you, Micah, and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating dinner with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need the doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Now Jesus' disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. We're going to learn about fasting right now. Some people came and asked Jesus, How is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but yours are not? Jesus answered, How can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot, so long as they have him with them. But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. And on that day they will fast. 
No one sews a patch of unshrunken cloth on an old garment. If he does, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours new wineskin on old wineskin. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. Now he pours new wine into new wineskins. What is Jesus talking about there? Wine? He's not really talking about wine. He uses a lot of analogies. <coughs> what do you think he's you talking don't about? Something new something old. Right? Like if you were like if I get a new toy, I can't put it into an old bin because then it'll explode. What do you think he's talking about? You don't know? It has to do with covenant. Covenant or covenant? Covenant. No idea. Okay, there. Did you throw that on the floor? No, it's on the chair. There was an old covenant. What is it? The Mon Moses. Uh huh. And what's the new covenant? The one that he has. Who? Jesus. Jesus. That's right. So, um, Jesus is talking about the new covenant. He said, fasting is appropriate when the bride, bridegroom is taken away from the people. What is the bridegroom? The bride. Who's the bridegroom? The bridegroom is a male. Yeah, it's a male. Who is it? The person who's is marrying the bride. Who is the bride? The lady. The one who's been getting in marriage. Okay, but Jesus is talking in a picture. Okay. What is he saying? The bride is the old? The bride is the church. The bride is who's the Who's the bridegroom? And the bridegroom is the law. Is Jesus. Jesus. And how was Jesus taken from the people? Wait, Jesus married the church? Yes. How do you be given Can you get Lukey out? How, how, um, how was Jesus taken from the people? He went back into heaven, right? And then he gave us what? His spirit. His spirit. Right? Wait, 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 wait. How could he have gone? It would have taken him years to get to heaven by going that like that, right? Nobody knows how long it took him to get back into heaven. He just went in on a cloud, right? Maybe if we went into that same cloud, we could go to heaven too. One day we will, right? We'll meet him in the sky. That's what the Bible says. So Jesus is talking about the new covenant here, just so you know. Super far away. Like hundreds of years. And how far is heaven? Alright, I think you're really getting uh, distracted. Sorry. Sorry. Alright. Lord of the Sabbath. One Sabbath... Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, Have you ever read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? 
In the days of Abiathar the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the no. consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priest seed. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. What does that mean? The Sabbath was made for Uh-huh. Well, I just wanted to see what you thought. Cade, why was the Sabbath made for man, not man for the Sabbath? Um, I know. Cade, let go of him and sit up. Why was the Sabbath made for man, not man for the Sabbath? I was actually trying to think. Besides, I, I don't know. Because the Sabbath is a gift of rest to man. It's not something that man should feel confined by. Right? Jesus said, the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So who sets the rules for the Sabbath? Jesus. A uh, house cannot stand divided. That's your answer. God is not split. Luke. Hosea. Hosea the prophet, in all likelihood, wrote the book that bears his name. So who wrote Hosea? Right. Some scholars have argued that parts of the book are secondary, but their arguments produce no consensus and have persuaded few. Some hold references to Judah and the house of David were added at a later time. Others contend optimistic messages are add-ons. These arguments presuppose that Hosea was a one-dimensional prophet incapable of speaking to both Israel and Judah or of preaching both condemnation and hope. Uh, another issue about Hosea is the nature of his relationship to Gomer, his wife. It seems astonishing that Hosea would have been commanded by God to marry an immoral woman the account of the first three chapters of this prophetic work have been subjected, she was a prostitute, to every conceivable interpretation. <clears throat> it is only, they think that it's only the record of a vision or a parable that Gomer was faithful, but played the part of a faithless woman for the sake of Hosea's message were that Gomer was actually guilty of idolatry, but not promiscuity, but none of these suggestions are persuasive. The text seems clear that God commanded Hosea to marry a dissolute woman, and the prophet took Gomer in direct obedience to that command. This is the ultimate kind of prophetic sign, a scenario in which the prophet engages in shocking and otherwise inexplicable behavior to make a point for his audience. Hosea dated his message <clears throat> to the reign of Jeroboam II of Israel and to Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah of Judah. This places the years of his ministry from 755 to 715 BC. This is before Christ. 
and indicates that the prophet lived to see the destruction of Samaria, which was the capital of Israel in 722 BC, before Christ. Um, he initially delivered his message orally to the northern kingdom of Israel. After the fall of Samaria, his words were transcribed to scrolls Stop. as a record of prophecy fulfilled and a warning of judgment, call to repentance, and promise of restoration. Hosea was written as a message of judgment to the northern kingdom during the years of its precipitous decline to its fall to Assyria. Um, his words are filled with condemnation and promises of destruction for the nation. But the readers also recognize his predictions were fulfilled within about 30 years of him beginning his ministry. So we're in the first three chapters of this book, and it's a more a moving story that makes for a fascinating reading. Gentle. Just gentle. So we're going to attempt to enter into the drama. Be nice, Juby. Okay, you, can, you put her, can you put her in her cage? Because I cannot, I can't deal with. Thank you. So we're going to try to imagine what's happening with Gomer. And then we're going to ask ourselves a question. How does this story relate to my own life and salvation? Um, here's a couple interesting facts. There are clay tablets from the Ugarit that tell of fertility rites carried out by the Canaanites at the high places. These are also, they had pagan rituals involving... Sinful, um, look what I made. sinful acts and they were conducted under oak trees which they considered sacred harlots were common prostitutes there were, was a difference with shrine prostitutes and they were women of the sanctuaries who served as partners for the men that was part of a religious ritual that was definitely wrong there was a festival of the king, which was a coronation or birthday celebration that developed into Morrison. King Elah actually died in drunkenness during one of those festivals, apparently. And there were four Israelite kings that were assassinated or killed within a 20-year period. Um, Zechariah and Shalom during a mere seven-month period. That's interesting. So in Hosea, you hear about God's faithfulness, mercy, and unfailing love, his judgment for sin, and repentance and restoration. All right, so we, yesterday, um, we heard in Hosea 1, the word of the Lord that came to Hosea, and how um, Hosea was told to marry a prostitute. So he goes and he marries Gomer. Right? And then we heard about how Hosea had children and he had to name them pretty horrible names. Jezreel, which was about punishment. Um, then they had a daughter named Lo Ruhama, 
because God said, I'm going to no longer show love to the house of Israel. And then they had lo ami, which means you're not my people and I'm not your God. These are awful things. Awful for a parent um, to have to name your kid this. So Hosea 2 says, say of your brothers, my people and of your sisters, my beloved one. Rebuke your mother, rebuke her, for she is not my wife, and I am not her husband. Let her remove the adulterous look from her face and the unfaithfulness from between her breasts. Otherwise, I will strip her naked and make her as bare as the day she was born. I will make her like a desert, turn her into a parched land, and slay her with thirst. I will not show my love to her children, because they are children of adultery." Their mother has been unfaithful and has conceived them in disgrace. She said, I will go after my lovers who give me food, me my food and my water, my wool and my linen, my oil and my drink. Therefore, I will block her path with thorn bushes. I will wall her in so that she cannot find her way. She will chase after her lovers, but not catch them. She will look for them, but not find them. Then she will say, I will go back to my husband as at first. For then I was better off than now. She has not acknowledged that I was the one who gave her the grain, the new wine and oil, who lavished on her the silver and gold, which they used for Baal. What does God think about that? Very boo. Baal's a false god. Therefore, I will take away my grain when it ripens and my new wine when it is ready. I will take back my wool and my linen intended to cover her nakedness. So now I will expose her lewdness before the eyes of her lovers. No one will take her out of my hands. I will stop all her celebrations, her yearly festivals, her new moons, her Sabbath days, all her appointed feasts. I will ruin her vines and her fig trees, which she said were her pay from her lovers. I will make them a thicket and wild animals will devour them. I will punish her for the days she burned incense to the bales. She decked herself with rings and jewelry and went after her lovers. But me, she forgot, declares the Lord. Okay, so do you understand the analogy here? Yeah. Gomer had children from a man different than her husband, Hosea. So the Lord, Lord is saying he's going to punish her. And she got gifts from these other men. And he said he's going to ruin the gifts. So the Lord says, therefore, I'm now going to allure her. I will lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her. There, I will give her back her vineyards. And I will make the Valley of Anchor a door of hope. There she will sing as in the days of her youth, as in the day she came up out of Egypt. In that day, declares the Lord... You will call me hus- my husband. You will no longer call me my master. I will remove the names of the bales from her lips. What is the Lord doing to her? Renewing. He's restoring and renewing. That's right. No longer will their names be invoked. In that day, I will make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field and the birds of the air and the creatures that move along the ground. Bow and sword and battle I will abolish from the land so that they... All may lie down in safety. I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you in righteousness and justice. Do you know what betroth is? Mary. In love and compassion, I will betroth you in faithfulness, and you will acknowledge the Lord. 
And that day I will respond, declares the Lord. I will respond to the skies and they will respond to the earth and the earth will respond to the grain, the new wine and oil. What did we just hear about? About wineskins? And they will respond to Jezreel. I will plant her for myself in the land. I will show my love to the one I called not my loved. I will say to those called not my people, you are my people. And they will say, you are my God. Do you know why God would do this? He's the God of restoration. He wants a bride that's pure. And he loves so much and he always forgives, right? Well, that's what we see in our lives. God forgives us for everything. All right, Proverbs 21. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. He directs it like a water course wherever he pleases. All a man's ways seem right to him, but the Lord weighs the heart. To do what is right and just is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. Haughty eyes and a proud heart, the lamp of the wicked, are sin. Do you know what's the lamp of the wicked? No. Haughty eyes. What's haughty? Not good. Yeah, not good. It's definitely not good. Look, what does haughty mean? On this cube. Cool. What does haughty mean? Not good. Be more specific. <laughs> I have no idea. What does it mean to have haughty eyes? Um. <laughs> Proud. Arrogant. Disdainful, yeah, proud eyes and a proud heart. Can you have a proud heart? Yes. Yep. And the that's the lamp of the wicked. They're both sin. The plans of the diligent leads to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. A fortune made by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor and a deadly snare. The violence of the wicked will drag them away, for they refuse to do what is right. The way of the guilty is devious, but the conduct of the innocent is upright. Better to live on the corner of a roof than to share uh, than share a house with a quarrelsome wife. The wicked man craves evil. His neighbor gets no mercy from him. When a mocker is punished, the simple gain wisdom. When a wise man is instructed, he gets knowledge. The righteous one takes note of the house of the wicked and brings the wicked to ruin. You're squishing the dog. Aww. If a man shuts his ear to the cry of the poor, he too will cry out and not be answered. A gift given in secret soothes anger and a bribe concealed in the cloak pacifies great wrath. When justice is done... It brings joy to the righteous, but terror to evildoers. Why is that? I don't know. Why would justice bring joy to the righteous? Uh, yeah. Why would it bring terror to evildoers? They'd be getting punished, wouldn't they? But the righteous would be getting the Lord's recompense. They would be getting the Lord's help. That's why a man who strays from the path of understanding comes to rest in the company of the dead. He who loves pleasure will become poor. He who loves wine and oil will never be rich. The wicked become a ransom for the righteous and the unfaithful for the upright. 
Better to live in a desert than with a quarrelsome and ill-tempered wife. In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all he has. He who pursues righteousness and love finds life, prosperity, and honor. A wise man attacks the city of the mighty and pulls down the stronghold in which they trust. He who guards his mouth and his tongue keeps himself from calamity. That's what happened with those teenagers yesterday, right? Yeah. They did not guard their mouth or their tongue. The proud and arrogant man, Mocker is his name, he behaves with overweening pride. That girl was a mocker. The sluggard's craving will be the death of him because his hands refuse to work. All day long he craves for more, but the righteous give without sparing. Okay. Are you guys hearing this teaching on work and doing work or being lazy? Yes. What does that tell you about work? Hmm. We should do work always. Mm-hmm. The sacrifice Daddy. of the wicked is detestable. Gale. Did Daddy tell you not to lick that? You need to stop. Don't lick it. The sacrifice of the wicked is detestable. Daddy said no. How much more so when brought with evil intent? A false witness will perish, and whoever listens to him will be destroyed forever. What's a false witness? We talked about that yesterday. Yeah? Can you always see the truth? No, what do you have to do? Yep, so you can see with your spiritual eyes and spiritual heart, right? Um, A wicked man puts up a bold front, but an upright man gives thought to his ways. (coughs) There is no wisdom, no insight, no plan that can succeed against the Lord. The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but victory rests with the Lord. 